Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super modifieds are king, methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Inside Groove, the Super Modified Podcast. This is episode number 68. My name is Tom Baker, and I am happy to be back with you again. Uh, and this time for the, I guess we'll call this the official start of our 2021 season of shows. We did have a show in January just to kind of ring in the new year. Paul Koloka was A lot of fun and very insightful on that show. We thank him for being a guest. I'm sure we'll have Paulie back on at some point, but um, we are back and we've got a few shows lined up. This show is going to feature a returning guest, Mike Silliman, the tire guy, the Hoosier tire guy from Oswego, but he's much more than that. Um, And Mike and I got into some really fascinating conversation about some Topics that you probably wouldn't expect that would be discussed here on this show. So um, they are related to a swiggo in the supers, but uh, the conversation just went in a, a bit of a, an interesting direction. So, um, but always fun to talk to Mike. We hope that you'll enjoy that. Next week, I can tell you, we have got Jody London on the program. Jody is promoting three shows at a swiggo this year to help Oswego celebrate its 70th birthday. He's got uh, the compact touring car show uh, coming up for Classic Weekend 64. Those are basically four-cylinder front-wheel drive cars, if you're not familiar. And that is going to be a ton of fun. I can't wait to uh, see that show. And then he, of course, is promoting his uh, sportsman show, and is also promoting his father's race again on Classic Weekend 65. The Sportsman shows July 4th weekend, and then Classic Weekend 65 is the Dave London Memorial, the second one to be held at Oswego. The first one was in 2019. Um, And so big things for all of those shows. He broke some news, in fact, that, uh, of course, it's going to be a week delayed, but he, we've, we've got some, some news that will probably be out in the public by then, but that's okay. Um, you'll hear more details of it on uh, the interview with him, and so that will air next week on episode 69. We've got some other cool guests lined up as well. Um, I'm not going to be too long in this open here because I want to get right to Mike Silliman, and one of the things that I'm trying to do this year <laughs> And this is as much for my purposes as anything, is I am trying to kind of tighten the shows a little bit. Um, So, you know, we want the guests to be able to kind of still be the feature, at least for now, until the racing takes over. Um, But um, I want to try to keep my part a little bit uh, tighter, at least for the most part, and especially in the first segment. So... uh, doing my best to adhere to my own wishes here. (laughs) We're going to take a break. When we come back, you're going to hear from Mike Silliman. Then in the final segment, um, we will talk about the the number 68 in super modified history. Uh, We will also talk about the MSS schedule that's coming out and, uh, or is out already. And 
Uh, we'll talk about a few other quick things, too. And um, then we'll get you ready for the next episode with Jody London. So um, we'll step aside, take a break. When we come back, Mike Silliman and I sit down for uh, a little conversation, about uh, 45 minutes worth or so. (laughs) Hope you enjoy it. Grab your favorite beverage and uh, find your favorite chair. Sit back and here we go with Inside Groove 68. We'll be back. Mike Silliman is on deck. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorcustomtrailers.com. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we get to our first guest of the month of March. And, of course, I am calling this show the official uh, return of the groove for the season. We did one in January, but uh, that's almost like a warm-up act. This is uh, We've got a few shows ready to go here, so uh, excited to be back for 21 and hopeful that we are going to see a full season at the Oswego Speedway um, and, of course, uh, throughout ISMA and MSS as well. So that's where we're starting, and our first uh, guest of March is none other than Mike Silliman, who most of you know as the Who's Your Tire Guy at the Oswego Speedway, but he's been way more than that over the years. Spent a lot of time with Pat Abold and uh, now with Jeff Abold and uh, just many, many different uh, racing endeavors for Mike over the years. But I want to start where we are, Mike. It is 2021, and at least in theory, we're going to have a season at the Oswego Speedway. And this is a bit different because, of course, as we all know, We've got two classics, and so instead of what in the distant past was the Port City 150 or whatever big Memorial Day event, uh, weekend event they had, it is going to be basically Classic 64, which would have been the 2020 edition. Um, You've got a few races before that, so you're the tire guy. First of all, talk about what the tire situation looks like for the season in terms of what tires are we running, what's new or different, but talk about how things change a bit with this first classic stuck in there at the end of May, instead of not having an event of this proportion until uh, Labor Day weekend. Well, it's definitely going to be interesting uh, to see what happens. I mean, weather wise, um, you know, central New York, the, ground is still pretty frozen you know uh yeah. deep down and uh still in may you know so uh which sometimes produces faster speeds um but it's definitely going to be a different setup for a may classic than you would for a labor day classic in what way um well every car is going to be different you know so depending on, on that um where the like i said the ground's going to be cold the track's going to be a little bit more green or not going to take as much rubber so it might require more downforce in a spring classic than it would be in a fall classic um but you're good it's all depends on what happens with the weather over the next two months you know it's not going to be a huge change but just very you know some 
it'll definitely be different. Yeah, it's it's going to be unique for sure. And even from yeah. the standpoint of um, of kind of how you go into the season, because normally, you know, you run a whole points year, a whole season of, you know, shows leading up to that one big race. Well, now you go, you know, a couple of races and, oh, here's a big classic. And then you then you kind of just get into the season again, and here's another big classic. So um, it's going to be unique from from all standpoints. Is there any change in the tires for this year? Is there any difference or anything new about what's going on from the tire department at the Big O in 21? Um, as far as the super modifieds and the small block supers, everything's going to be the same as we were in 2019. Okay. Um, same compounds, um, just, you know, there'll be Hoosiers working now building some new tires. Um, we pretty much, they stopped production last year, um, the, with COVID and everything. So, and, uh, you know, knowing we weren't most likely going to open. So, so they're building us some fresh stuff for this year. Um, uh, the only change we're going to make is with the three, uh, the 350 supers, and they've got a different right rear tire that um, was actually going to be for the 2020 season, um, just a little bit harder compound, lighter gauge, going to dissipate the heat, not blister, uh, as the other ones were doing. Um, we've already run those in all the practice sessions last year. Um, Mike Bruce looked really good in it. Um, I guess he was down below the track record. Yeah, he was. And uh the tire is really holding up well, so I think that'll be uh, be a plus. But everything else was working good, so I think we're going to be pretty much status quo. Should be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, of course, yes, you said it. It was funny hearing you say, same as they were in 2019, as if 2020 yeah. didn't exist. But the truth is, it really <laughs> didn't. There was no racing last year. And it's, it's really, um, having gotten to this point, it's it's odd to look back and realize that there's just nothing to talk about other than a bunch of test sessions because we didn't actually have a racing season and I know everybody's kind of pent up to go. Um, I know that you're still working with the Abolds. Uh, I would assume that everything's on track for a big season again for Jeff. Is there anything new uh, going on with Abold Racing that you know of? Um, not that I know of. I mean, they ran three races last year. Never finished any better than second, but never finished any worse than second. Yeah. So, but uh, had a successful, you know, three races. I know it was a short season. Uh, I keep good tabs on them since I've worked for the family for thirty-one oh, years. Sure. So, yeah. so uh, we keep. I keep good tabs on what's going on and work with Jeff every day um, at the store up in Oswego. So, uh, but uh, you know, he's just been working in the shop. Um, he. He's uh, really turned into his dad as far as that part of it. and uh, Really? You know, the hard work. and uh, But uh, there's not one thing he doesn't touch on that race car. He's turned into an amazing fabricator. Wow. And uh, does a lot of the, uh, the body work, a lot of the fabrication on the car. Um, and uh, just as far as a mechanic also, putting things together and putting them together right. So, um so I, I think he'll have a, you know, he's go, definitely going to be ready, um, ready to go and uh, prepared as well as he could be. It's really been interesting to kind of watch him grow into the 
the super modifieds. I mean, you, you know, you and I are obviously you worked with Pat directly for a number of years, and and you know mm-hmm. I've watched Pat his entire career, and um, mm-hmm. you know just to see Jeff come up from the quarters and you know and then and go do the things that he's done and how much he's progressed. I mean, and you're right, he really he is his father's son. There, are, when you even when you talk to him and you and you if you're around him. And you're kind of having a conversation, you know, so much his mannerisms, his way of 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 having conversation um, mm-hmm. is is so much like Pat. It's really amazing, honestly. Oh, yeah, definitely. And he, he's definitely picked up the intensity around the yeah. race car and the racetrack. Um, the personality is a little different in public, you know, um, but. He, uh, you know, when he's in race mode, he's as, a t- as intense as anybody, um, as much as his dad used to be, you know, and uh, um, I just think you'll see big things from him, you know, here in the next few years. Oh, I believe that, too. And, and I mean, you know, Pat, I feel like Pat always kind of understated himself. Um, you know, he was never one to be very gregarious or whatever. And, and, yeah. and I think if you asked him, he probably would look at his career and, you know, kind of just brush it off and it's like oh yeah i had some good run, whatever but the truth is when you look at that family and, and you look at especially pat um you know having the chance to go and run USAC and do as well as he did and and doing the things that he did both at oswego and on the isma tour and then you guys ran dirt for a while and and uh you know, he he really had a great career, and Jeff has certainly followed, filled those footsteps really well. And I don't think, I honestly don't think Jeff's anywhere near peak yet. I feel like, you know, Jeff is a driver uh, who's probably going to be winning races at the Oswego Speedway for years to come if he if he you know keeps going and and is able to uh, obviously um, you know get around any challenges that life might throw at him. Yeah, I definitely think he will. He'll definitely be a contender. Um, you know, like Jimmy Champagne used to say, what, you know, finishing in the top five at Oswego is not too hard, but winning is. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, the competition you have up there now, um, you know, I think we had 11, uh, 11 winners and 13 races back the last time we ran, whatever that was. Um, <laughs> and you still have you know, guys knocking on the door. So you've got a lot, a lot of great talent up there now Yeah, in this, in all three classes and especially the super modifieds. And of course it's, uh, you know, if you want to get into victory lane, you got to go through auto Sitterly still. So, you know, he's always going to be tough and his teammate and, you know, DJ Shula, Keith Champagne, Brent, you know, track record holder, Brandon Bellinger, um, you know, Michael Barnes, uh, they're all there, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I better just... not say too many more. I'm going to miss a few, but uh, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's some, uh, great competition there. So, uh, I mean, to win there now is definitely an accomplishment. Well, and it was good to, to, to see the announcement recently too, with you, you talking about guys that are coming and, and we've, you know, we've got Jeff Locke coming back, um, mm-hmm. you know, with, uh, with his kids and, and, mm-hmm. you know, and running some stuff, which is great because again, that's, you know, you need that new blood every year just to kind of uh, it, keep it fresh. And, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, Jeff's obviously not completely new, been here before, but um, great to see them coming back. And I think it really um, it really makes a statement about just how 
hungry everybody is and how excited everybody is about Oswego Speedway in 2021 when you start seeing drivers and owners like Jeff come back and say, hey, yeah, I'm coming back, but I'm going to bring my kids too, and we're going we're gonna to make this a family affair at Oswego when they certainly mm-hmm. could be doing other things. Oh, definitely. You know, Jeff's dad, Kenny, just loves the place, and yeah. uh, I think more than anybody, and uh, just, uh, you know, the night he won his first race with Randy was really a yeah. thrill to watch, you know, him and going down to victory lane in tears, and, uh, you know, he'd been coming here so long, and, you know, Jeff uh, Jeff did a good job when he ran. Unfortunately, he didn't run a lot, no. you know, it's, with the family business was, uh, you know, it was hard for him to travel, but... Uh, now the boys are doing a good job, and they are. Uh, yeah. you know maybe someday you'll see both boys out there. But uh, looking forward to seeing the Locke family back at Oswego for sure. Yeah, um, you know you you get to thinking back, and, and we were talking about the Abolds, and and you know just the history that you've gotten to experience through the opportunities with guys like Pat, um, you know, and being able to to work with Bentley and and some of the legends. I mean, um, they're. <laughs> There is just no replacing that time. I was watching an episode of Dale Jr.'s Download the other day with Daryl Waltrip, and he was, you know, they were just talking about Dale and, you know, just the, and it's like, it occurred to me that, you know, you're a little older than I am, but we're both at a point where we, you know, we've been at a Swiggo for, you know, well, it's probably over 50 years, right around 50 for you, I guess, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, pretty close for me. Just the depth of the history that we've seen and the characters that we've had a chance to meet and get to know, and and in a lot of those cases, you much better than I, but, you know, just, I mean, um, what what was it like, you know, back in the day with Pat and Bentley and and that whole group, and especially, I I was thinking about Dunnigan, too, and what a character Mm -hmm. he was, you know, what do you think about what do you what do you remember when you look back at some of those days? That was a it was a real fun time, you know, and, and like Paul Dunnigan was he was one of the most fiercest competitors. He wanted to beat you so bad, but he, he respected you too. Yeah. And uh, you know, we'd we'd go at it at the racetrack and then on Monday, you know, whatever whatever happened, there's usually a fax coming over with some cartoon on it. It's you know, which Heads and faces were changed, (laughs) and uh, you know he was he was a lot of fun. He provided his drivers the best. You know he wanted to beat the best, and uh, it was kind of neat back in two thousand three after racing against them so hard to work with them for three years. You know with uh, Pat driving for Dunnigans, and uh, you know you come full circle and winning a championship with them. So it was a that was a neat deal, and you know, having Bentley back on the team then for a couple of years, you know, for some races, and uh, but uh, the whole group that back then you had Bentley, Gozik, uh, Mike Ordway, Russ Wood, Pat, you know, Eddie Bellinger. There was just a lot of a lot of respect, a lot of hard racing, and uh, you know, back then we were racing Oswego and Isma, so we were running you know thirty five to forty races a year. So yeah, you know, we had to get along with everybody because <laughs> well. you're. You're traveling with them, and uh, you know it was it was a good thing, you know. But it was really a lot of fun, uh, something that I'll cherish forever. And uh, you know, and then doing some of the USAC racing with Pat, you know, going with the Hoffmans and Johnny Vance and Seymour's, and then uh, doing the IRL test with uh, the Atlovich team, the PDM team. That was kind of a thrill, you know, to oh, sure. see all that. 
What what was what was I mean? You you have to have a good Bentley story or two because you can't spend an hour and a half with Bentley without walking away with a Bentley story because he made everything oh, into into a story book. You know, was <laughs> always there, a quote. There's tons of those. Some we might not be suited for this show. But, uh, <laughs> well, you can you censor know, the, him. The if thing you want. is with Bentley Warren, you see him. The guy was. I mean, you put him in a race car or at the racetrack. And he's as serious as a heart attack about yeah. racing. Um, he was very serious. He was right on top of things. You know, the the joking and sometimes, you know, you think he was just up there to have fun. But he was he was serious about it. But uh, I, I was just thinking of the one story um, when Pat was running for the Hoffman team out of Cincinnati with a silver crown car. Yep, 69. Um, how that all came about was they called... Irish at Hoosier after Kenny Irwin. Kenny Irwin was their driver and he yeah. left and uh, they were looking for a driver for their silver crown car. And they had saw Pat run at Phoenix and Dan Hayes's car um, in the super and run second in 95. So they were asking about him and uh, Irish re- highly recommended, you know, putting Pat in the car. And then unbeknown to us, Irish was talking to Bentley later that day, and Bentley called the Hoffmans and said, this is the guy you want to put in your race car. And uh, so Richard Hoffman called, put him in it, and then in the fifth race uh, in that car, he won a live TV race at IRP. I remember that. And he beat, you know, Tony Stewart, Jack Hewitt, Jimmy Kite, Davey Hamilton, Jim Keeker, I mean, Kenny Irwin, Dave Steele were all in that race. But... um, Bentley was running Seymour's car and Pat got the lead about lap 60 and took off. And Bentley was on the radio the last 20 laps asking where Pat was. Really? What's he? And he was after the race, Bentley had tears in his eyes. He came over and he was so excited for Pat. And Oh, uh, wow. That's the kind of guy he is, you know, and you know, he really, he really raced hard, but he really wanted to see other people have good opportunities, you know. Um, you know, he was very humble about it. But uh, seeing Bentley come over after the race with tears in his eyes, you know, and he was, and Irish was saying, you know, he was on the radio for 20 laps, you know, saying, where's Pat? Where's he? Where is he? Where is he? You know, yeah. how big of a lead, you know. So so that's that's one different end of Bentley. Um, you know, Bentley showing up at my house for a barbecue and driving a Chevy Sprint down the sidewalk. No, he and didn't. parking it there because he thought it was a road for little cars. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Compact we've, cars only. <laughs> we had a lot of fun with him. Um, I actually got to crew for him a couple times with Dunnigan's when uh, Pat was running. And they ran the third car with Bentley, you know, and uh, that was fun. It was really fun, you know. So What did they do, pull you from Pat, push you over there with Bentley? Is that what they did? Yeah, because I wasn't, um, at the time we were, um, I was still racing with Jeff. Jeff was still racing, so oh, okay. I wasn't going to all the ISMA races. So oh, I, I got Basically, okay. Dunnigan's had two crews, and if, you know, a couple times when they ran Bentley, they needed somebody that had a little bit more experience, so um, I just jumped over on that car, you know. Was that when so. Pat was running also for Dunnigan? Yeah. Yeah. So you were crewing against Pat. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, a couple times. <laughs> how, how did that work out for the team dynamic? <laughs> that worked out fine. So the the one thing about that, that team, they were all for one, you know. Yeah. All for one, one for all. And uh, 
you know, a lot of things were shared and, uh, you know, and stuff like that. So they, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely, there was no, uh, you know, everybody raced each other, um, and everybody raced each other clean, but, uh, at the end it was, you know, one team there. Pat was, I mean, that, well, really that whole Dunningham group, because Paulie was, su- Paul was such a character. I mean, oh, he was. you know, you just never knew what was going to come out of his mouth from one minute to the next, you know, yeah. but, but it was one of those, like you said, there were multi multiple sides to him, just like there, well, there are to any of us really, but him and Bentley, yeah. you always saw sort of the, the humor and the joking and, and all of that, but man, you know, Paul and Bentley talked about it in his book. You know, he was the one organizing the hotels and where where they were going to go to eat. And, you know, so, you know, mm-hmm. he took it all very seriously. But at the same time, he loved it enough, I think, to be to be just overjoyed that he was there. And that's why if you needed a part, you got it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and he, but but his he was in his mind. The only thing that mattered was he was going to go out and be even with <laughs> with his parts on your car, you know. Oh yeah. Um, it it just was, but it was a different time too in in mm-hmm. in the world and in super modified racing back then. Also, you know, people traveled together and and you know and went to different tracks and and man, you know, tracks like Jennerstown. I love that place. I just think about shows that that the supers ran at tracks like that, and you know, and the people and the teams. It, you just can't get that back. You know, it's not that today's not fun, but there's something about that period of time, um, you know, that, that you, you, it'll just never be replaced. No, definitely not. And I'm really glad that, um, you know, I was able to experience it. And, uh, you know, I was thinking the other day, um, I was talking to a guy who, uh, he bought some parts from me. He lives in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Oh, wow. So we know who who's from there, you know, Doug Wolfgang yeah, country. Wolfgang, sure. And uh, he was just blown away that I was from Oswego. And, you know, he, he wanted to know all about, he's heard about the racetrack. And he's, you know, he's Doug Wolfgang's neighbor. And uh, who, I mean, one of the greatest sprint car drivers of all time. Yeah. And uh, he's just, you know, you know, that was his, he goes, someday I just would want to get to Oswego, you know. And, you know, you think about it, how lucky we are that, you know, our, my great grandparents came from Italy and decided to settle in Oswego, New York, back in 1911. Oh wow! And, uh, and uh, you know we're here and we were able to enjoy this place and uh, really realized it last year when we didn't have it. Yes, you know, absolutely. And especially classic was probably one of the saddest days of my life. And uh, classic Sunday. And uh, we made two trips to the racetrack that day. Yeah. And, you know, just in case something, you know, changed, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. And, and really, you know, we were, uh, you know, a bunch of us got together Sunday night at the track. And it was almost well, like it was great to see some people, but it was almost like going to calling hours, you know. Yeah. Just, you know. So I think, uh, you know, we, you know, sometimes you don't realize what you have till it's not there. Right. We've been very fortunate to have that racetrack. And like I said, it's been both of you and I, Tom, it's been a big part of our, most of our life, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so just, uh, you know, looking forward to a great season. Uh, hopefully everything opens up and, uh, everybody stays healthy. Um, and, uh, we have some great racing this year. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it definitely, you can feel, 
when people talk about 2021 at, at the Oswego Speedway and, and, you know, you could just feel the excitement. Like, I, I feel like that opening day at Oswego is probably going to be one of the best attended Oswego Speedway ra- regular races in years because I think everybody's just, you know, dying to get back to the track and see and I think in general in our sport, I see that same kind of even down here where there were some tracks that were able to, you know, to, to do it without fans, but other tracks weren't. And we had tracks down here that didn't open or they opened, but there were no fans in the grandstand. They didn't have any like big shows. You just had kind of irregular classes and, you know, it, it, in, and it just wasn't the same. And I think in general, in the sport, everybody's ready to just get back to the track and, and do what they love to do. And, and I, I don't think that's any evident, you know, any more evident anywhere than, than it is with the Swiggo and the supers. Um, and, and, Again, the promise of the big, you know, two classic season, that's never happened before. And it took 70 years. Oswego is celebrating <laughs> 70 years in existence this year. How crazy is that? Yeah, it, it definitely crazy. And, it, uh, you know, with everything that's happened and, you know, it's been over a year now, you, you kind of, uh, it's, it's messed up life so much and changed your routine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I fi- still find it like I got to look at the calendar to see what month we're in, you yeah. know. But, yeah. uh, you know, because, you know, you don't have your your same ritual that you've had. Well, you your know? car's been together for a year now. <laughs> yeah. You know, you may be puttering on it just to kind of, you know, whatever for the, for this uh-huh. season, polishing it. But, I mean, you, yeah. you know, it was like it, last year was a giant tease. You had all the practice sessions, but you never had a race. And yet, and so everybody's cars are together. And, and you think about how much enthusiasm there is for the small blocks um, more, the the car, the way the car counts exploding and that and all the new rookies and you, and even the three fifties, um, you know, it, I mean the enthusiasm. It just I feel like opening day twenty twenty one is going to be magic. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, the small block class just starting with that. Um, yeah. With all the rookies and yes. you know doing those fast Fridays last year, I know there was probably seven or eight rookies. Um, and you know, going to that crate motor is definitely, was definitely a great idea and it's bringing affordability to that class. So now you do have guys who are coming from the go-kart track and other venues that are moving up to the small block class. Yep. So, and I know, uh, just seeing some of the guys last year, Joey DeStevens was out there. Uh He did a great job in the two couple practices he ran. Um, his younger brother, Tony's going to be running this year also. Yep. Um, Matt Germain looked really good. Uh, Derek Hilton. Um, you got Mark Denny who ran a few races in 19, who really got some practice in last year. And I yep. think he'll be strong. Robbie Bruce. Um, I'm sorry. Robbie Bruce. Robbie Bruce is another one who, uh, another graduate of the go-kart yep. track who really looked good. Um, and now you got a few of these guys from the small blocks are going up to the three fifties. It'll make that class stronger. So, so everything's working according to plan. Um, we'll just see what happens, but, uh, really excited for all three classes this year. Well, yeah, for sure. And the big blocks, I mean, you really haven't lost anyone. 
you know, mm-hmm. that, that I'm aware of in the big block supers. I think everybody's coming back. And, you know, you add uh, like Jeff Locke and, and uh, that family coming back into it. And, you know, I'm sure we'll have some other folks as well. Um, Mike Bruce uh, going to get a shot. Um, you know, so there there are situations where every class at Oswego is so much stronger, I feel like, or at least, you know, obviously the big blocks have maintained, but the other two classes have grown so much stronger since 19 that, and, and then all of the practice that a lot of these rookies had in these divisions in 2020 is going to help them come out of the box a little stronger and more stable for 21. So, um, I just feel like that gives everybody a leg up. So it was like we didn't have a racing season last year, but the testing that we did, it isn't like it was for naught because it'll just make everybody better. And even some of the new cars, um, you know, the new Coloca car that uh, uh, Eric Iosu is going to drive, they had a chance to get a lot of the bugs out of that one before the end of last year. So that car should, in theory, come out of the box stronger. I mean, this is going to be a season like no other because of, 2020 and everything that either either happened or didn't happen, you know, is going to make 2021 a very unique um, racing season at Oswego. And the fact that it's the 70th anniversary and the fact there's two classics and all of the um, we're going to talk to Jody London uh, on next week's show. and, And he's got all of the 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 wrinkles that he brings with the sportsmen and the street stocks and such. Um, that I mean, again, this is going to be a season like no other has been, I feel like. And that really, I think, has a lot of people pumped because there's just so much to to think about and focus on going into a year that probably wouldn't have been quite that way had we not had all of that awful stuff a year ago. I totally agree with you. And, you know, they say things happen for a reason. And, uh, you know, the demise of the 2020 season may be these bring us 2021 is the strongest season we've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and a yeah. really a rebirth of everything. Um, the 350 class growing by leaps and bounds. Um, you got a lot of new England guys that are interested in coming up too. So I think some of the big races, you're going to have a lot of the 350 cars. Here I hope also. So. so I hope so. That's been yeah. the hardest thing because uh, you know, I've always believed, I believed from the start that, that the 350 class wasn't going to hurt you know, either of the other two, but mm-hmm. the unknown was, you know, how quickly could you build a, a a car count and then would the New England group play well with the Oswego group and how do you kind of get those two, you know, factions together? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I've, it obviously has never been a negative thing, but I think it just, it took, now I think like our guys are at a point where they're ready to start competing on even footing with the New England guys, some of them. And that's, you know, that's kind of what we didn't have the first year, which is obviously to be expected. But um, I still think that's a class that mm-hmm. is, is it could, you, you know, I think really probably that and the small blocks both. But the 350s, I think you could have 25 or 30 of those things in another year or two if, if things just keep going and stay well. Um, because I think the interest in, in that class and the affordability of it, if they just keep the rules in line and don't let it get out of hand, um, you know, I think that class has the chance to really grow quickly because everybody wants to race as super modified, but not everybody has a big block budget. And I think that's the perfect, you know, kind of compromise. Um, but at the same time, the small blocks, 
Now, because you put the crates in, it makes that class different enough where it's going to have its own market, too. So those two classes, I feel like, are poised for continued growth as we go forward. The The hardest part's going to be trying to figure out how to um, to keep the, the big block class going, I feel like, and... You know, at some point, and again, you know, it's it, we talk about it all the time, but how do you do it? But I feel like at some point you got to get the cost down a little bit in that class. And I don't know how you go about doing that, but, it, but I feel like that's the next thing you're going to have to address in order to keep that class strong. Well, definitely. Um, and, you know, if you look at it, I'm really excited because, yeah, you're going to see the small blocks and the 350s grow over the next few years, um, the supers, they need to stay status quo, but yeah, the biggest expense, you know, getting the expenses down because it is so expensive to run a super. Um, the biggest expense right now is the motor. Yeah. Um, which I mean, for all, uh, purposes, the big block Chevy is probably one of the most reliable motors um, at Oswego, we usually don't have motor problems. Isma right. uses twists their motors a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, you're using the motor a lot harder there. Right. Um, I really think Oswego was onto something with the smaller wing. Um, oh, I agree. It definitely made more cars competitive. It evened things up. Um, I mean, the better teams are still going to win races, but you're, nobody had a huge advantage with that. Um, now the ISMA teams like John McKennedy threw one wing on and he ran really well, almost, you know, he, till he broke here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think ISMA cars can come in and be competitive with that package. Uh, the next thing would be to get them all, you know, get the cost of the motors down. Um, how do you do that? <clears throat> well, you could do what they've done, I mean, and do a crate motor in those cars, too. I mean, you hate to say that for uh, and Oh, boy. Are, You're my phone's going to be mail. lighting up right now. But, <laughs> but four or five years from now, that might be the thing, you know. And if you can buy a $12,000 crate motor, uh, big block, it's still going to be a big block instead of a $40,000 motor. Yeah. There you go. So. At what like, point? I think my phone's buzzing already. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> we, we haven't even put this out already. You're getting email. Um, better you than me. Um, yeah. But, but, but I think here's the reality that we're all going to need to face, because whether yeah. we believe this or not or want to deal with it or not, the environment is going to dictate at some point you know, you start seeing yeah. hybrid motors in in NASCAR, in IndyCar, mm-hmm. in F1. Your the technology in the motors in the cars today. I mean, there's going to be a point whether we we all want to deal with it or not. The elephant in the room is we're mm-hmm. going to have to start thinking about you know what's the next motor package because. We're, it, it's just, we can't just keep doing big block normal, you know, aspirated motors forever. It's not going to, they're not going to be, you're, you're not going to have guys just building motors for 30 or 40 supers. It's going to get yeah. to a point. I mean, it, as you look at what's going on with all of that technology, um, you know, where, where does this all go? At what point do we start saying, well, gosh, do, 
you know, how do we adopt this for a class like the Supers or, or you know, short track racing in general? Because you know it's going to trickle down eventually. It, it definitely will. And the next five years are going to be very interesting uh, with everything, um, what's going on in the automotive industry. You know, GM's big announcement that by 2035 they want to be all electric. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that we, we had to sit down at work after that and, you know, what's our, you know, cause we have to watch our future too, because that's a big part of our business, um, you know, point. in auto repair. Yeah, so, that's right. yeah. so, you know, we're watching this every day and watching the progress. Um, how soon it happens, we don't know. Um, if you remember back in 1980, which 41 years ago, GM announced they were done building the big block motor. So there was a big worry in the super modified class. What are we going to be running for motors here in the future? Well, yeah. the big block's still there. But uh, I think this this one we have to take a lot more seriously. Well, yeah, because uh, I think an it's environmental thing. driven. Yeah, and uh, it'll be it'll be interesting what happens. You know, um, it could be exciting. You know, something something new. Um, you know, and 10 years from now, we might be running these electric hybrid cars. <laughs> well, you're, you know, man, who you're, knows? Your, your phone is going to break, man. Yeah. You're in such trouble. Um, and I can just <laughs> see this now. The comments underneath this show when it comes out are going to be like, no. Uh, but you know what? For me, like I'm not and anybody who know me longer than 20 minutes knows this. Yeah. I'm not much of a mechanic, but uh-huh. but I do understand things. And I appreciate things. And for me, this, like you said earlier, you said it right. I'm interested. Like, I'm intrigued by where this is going. I'm not stuck with, I'm not one of these people who just can't go watch a race if the sound of the motor changes. Like, I watch races for side-by-side competition and passing and excitement. And, like, that's what I get out of it. So, like, the motors to me, um, you know, I even, and, and this is, you know, don't send me any hate mail, people. But you know what? I can watch Formula E on TV and 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 actually get something out of it. I mean, no, it's not the same as you know, big wowed whatever. But but you know what? It's racing, and it can be interesting. And I think again, whether we want to deal with it or not, we're going to have to eventually. So, at what point do we actually decide to be proactive and start exploring what options there could be out there, so that you're not all of a sudden at a point where you start, you know, having to quickly come up with a solution instead of, um, you know, being able to sort of be, you know, proactive and start planning it out, what it could look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you definitely, like I said, the next five years are going to be interesting. And I think you got to start now just, you know, paying attention yeah. and, uh, and that. And, uh, you know, starting a new class, um in the future here might be something you know to get going i mean this could could it's going to definitely be interesting yeah you know um definitely class. be interesting but you know for you and i tom in another 10 15 years our hearing will be gone anyway so we won't know <laughs> the difference between a big black or a prius so. well I, <laughs> what's funny is i had a i went for a hearing test i think it was two years ago maybe three by now but two or three years ago i went for a hearing test because i hadn't had one in years and i just thought well i ought to probably go and my hearing literally is still as perfect as an 18 year old and my father never 
he always had great hearing right up till the day he died. And it was, it's just funny that, and it's like, I think of that now and I grew up playing drums and going to races like that, mm-hmm. that, that shouldn't have, but uh, you're right. <laughs> but I've just never been one that I guess because I'm not so mechanically minded, like I don't, yeah. you know, I mean, I notice it of course, because my favorite thing to do when I was younger was in sitting in the grandstands was to get down in turn four where the modifieds when they were there would start to get on it. The, just the, it, it, you could almost feel it in your bones and, and just that raw, you know. Um, but, um, you know, again, for me, uh, you know, I don't know that it will bother me if we have to do something different. But I know it will bother a lot of people because, again, and especially the motor builders, like how does how does Doug Holmes do that? <laughs> you know, how mm-hmm. do you you know, what, what do what does that do to the people that are because they would either have to to know how to deal with that technology or, you know, you got to get motors from somewhere else. So, I mean, it is an interesting thing to think about because you know, it's coming. Oh yeah, definitely coming. And and like I said, like with our auto auto repair business, it's coming. Yeah. We're going to have to make changes over the next five, 10, 15 years, whatever it is. And it's going to happen along the lines. I know some of the motor builders, are already doing rebuilds on crate motors and uh, being, you know, dynoing them. So there's opportunities there, you know. Yeah. Um, for that. So, um, so I mean, you just have to look at your business and, uh, you know, and uh, analyze things and adjust yeah. it accordingly. Yeah, it's but, just uh, uh, just fun to think about for sure. Yeah. Um, at least but for me. N- nothing <laughs> like the sound of a big block, you know, when you're sitting in turn four to Swigo with the, yes. under the roof. With no, the you're right. Methanol burning your eyes and the big block blowing your ears out. I mean, there's nothing like it. I'll trade that for anything. No, that's that's true, and I totally agree with that. And I'm I'm not sending the signal that it doesn't matter to me. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. I guess. I yep. feel good that I can at least be open-minded enough to not throw the baby out with the bathwater. You exactly. know, kind of like, I, you know, it's, look, I mean, again, anybody that knows me well, I, I miss the bodies and, and the shovel noses and all of that. I just, you know, I, I, I'm not saying I don't like today's cars. I just don't think they look at, but I'm not going to stop going to the races because they changed yep. the you know what i mean it's like yep. um so you know i feel like there's a number of people who you know and even you hear it with nascar and whatever it's like oh no they're going to this and it's like <laughs> so what it's still the same racing you they're know still racing i can't wait for the new nascar the new the new cup car next year because i i really think it's going to completely change the dynamic of 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 it's a sports car basically and i think it's a driver input car which i don't think is what this current car is and i think it's going to change the racing in a way that we're all going to really enjoy if we can just get past oh they they went to one lug and these big are it's like look at your street car (laughs) (laughs) it's going to be more like your street car than it's been for decades like you know blame the manufacturers because it's their fault you know don't blame NASCAR. Um, but, yeah, I just I'm not afraid of change like that. To me, I think it just makes things more interesting and gives us something else to focus on and see who 
you know, who develops the best or whatever. But I, I was thinking about that the other day, and I thought I'd bring it up, the whole, what's yeah. this going to do to Supers? You know, how do we deal with yeah. this in, in, on the short tracks and with these classes like the Supers that depend on these big block motors? At what point mm-hmm. do they just not become available because it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense to keep making them if you're not, you know, putting mm-hmm. them in streetcars anymore? So, you know. Um, it'll be interesting, but, um, man, it's been fun. I, I, well, we sat down, we've been 45 minutes almost, um, just, uh, sitting here chatting. And I know that you're busy working in the shop on some things today and, and have, uh, have a lot to do, but I, I really appreciate you taking the time to just chat with us and, uh, talk a bit about tires and, and Oswego and what's going on and look forward to, um, not sure exactly when I'll be able to get up there because obviously there's still some requirements that are going on with all that, being that I'm not in, in, in New York anymore. But um, look forward to seeing you at some point soon, Mike, and certainly uh, wish you the best. And hopefully, uh, you know, we get a swigo started on time and everything can be somewhat, even if it's a reduced crowd, um, somewhat normal again, and we can start running some races. I appreciate it, Tom. I love uh, doing your show. Absolutely. And, uh, you, you do, and you and Camden both do an amazing job, and uh, appreciate you, uh, everything you do. So well, uh, hopefully we'll see you at Oswego. I mean, 2021 is going to be a great year, and yes, we are going to have big blocks for a few years. So. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, big block just, is still yeah. going to be around. It's still going to be the race car. Yeah, so, it will uh, be an overnight switch. You know, we still, we still have that for a number of years. Yeah, but, uh, look forward to it. But, but, but uh, uh, look forward to it, and I appreciate everything you do, Tom. All right. That is Mike Silliman, and I always appreciate his time to spend on the show with us, and we'll be back with more of Inside Groove right after this. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math or science person. No excuses. No problem. It's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Helping people start an IT career is their thing. If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financial aid is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Inside Groove, episode 68. We'll talk about the number in a moment. First thing I want to get to in our final segment here is the... Midwest Super Modified Series announcing its uh, schedule, which they did about, um, well, a few weeks ago. Uh, And I want to go through this. There's some interesting things in this schedule and for Super Modified Racing in general to note. Um, And the first, I think, is that uh, MSS and ISMA will host a co-sanctioned points race at Oswego as the King of Wings comes back. Um, and this was something that I know everybody wanted to see. And I am so excited to see that uh, this is actually going to happen here. Um, couldn't be more excited, in fact. Um, and so that is going to take place on 
uh, let's see, Saturday, July 31st at Oswego. The King of Wings event will uh, take place, and that's going to be a lot of fun. The other thing to note on this schedule is that MSS and Jim Hanks from Mussy Racing are working together again this year. Remember, the March race at Indianapolis Raceway Park, uh, Lucas Oil Raceway now, was kind of a co-sanctioned event between MSS, Jim, and was promoted kind of under the umbrella of Mike Moore and his son Max and their group. Um, it was a great event. I went out there. Uh, obviously, it was a tough time last year in March to, to do an event with COVID just kind of being fresh and new and, you know, everybody kind of in panic mode and, you know, all of the the, the obstacles that went along with that. So, the car count certainly wasn't great, but it was a lot of fun. Everybody had a good time. And so MSS and Mussy Racing teaming up again. Uh, one race at Kalamazoo um, Speedway in Michigan. And that that track has been on uh, – that has been a super modified track. Now, for a while it hasn't, but, gosh, I think it goes back to the 70s. Um, hosting racing at Kalamazoo at least the 70s. It may have been farther back than that. Um, in the old days of supermodified racing, I'm not sure, but certainly has long been on the ISMA schedule. It, probably Trisec first, then ISMA. And uh, then it was gone away for a while. And it's back on the 29th of May. That's, uh, unfortunately, that's the same night as our first classic in Oswego. But um, that is going to happen at Kalamazoo, Mussy Racing Sprints, and uh, the uh, Super Modifieds, the American Speed U.S. Nationals is what they're calling it. That should be a lot of fun. But the season opens for MSS, and I'll just go through the schedule in order. Uh, Lorraine Raceway Park opens the season on Saturday, May the 15th. Then the 29th is the Mussy MSS doubleheader at Kalamazoo or Kazoo, as we all like to call it. Um, Saturday, July the 3rd, they are at Sandusky. Saturday, July 31st is, as I mentioned, the King of Wings event at the Oswego Speedway. MSS is a co-sanctioning for points uh, on that night, which is great to see. Saturday, August the 7th, they are at Midvale Speedway in Ohio. Saturday, August the 14th, the second of the must-see racing MSS doubleheaders, the Extreme Speed Challenge at Lorraine Raceway Park. That's on August the 14th and two weeks later. Uh, MSS is right back there again at Lorraine for championship night. And then November 6th is their end-of-season championship celebration. So a pretty healthy schedule for the Midwest Supermodified Series. Um, Kind of hate to see, obviously, as a fan, uh, it sort of, you know, at least for now, shoots uh, the idea in the butt that, uh, you know, we're going to ever probably see complete unity in terms of scheduling for big races and allow all the cars to be in the same place at once. But, um, you know, I think uh, we probably just need to, at this point, accept what is. And, and, you know, this show, I will tell you, exists for all of Supermodified Racing. Whether it's Oswego or it's MSS or it's ISMO or it's somewhere in the Midwest or California, whatever, doesn't matter. 
This show exists for all supermodified racing to be a platform and a forum for people to share information, share news, share schedules, um, send audio from interviews or, you know, whatever, feature interviews. If somebody wants to interview a driver and send it to me, um, you know, if it, it, you know, if it's good, we'll air it, obviously. Um, you know, and, and again, um, this show, like I said, this show's for everybody. So, it, you know, it is what it is. I don't make the schedules. I'm not going to really comment too much. I did ask uh, Lori May to come on and talk about the schedule, but uh, Lori and Dave are in Florida for a couple months trying to get away from racing, so um, she declined to come on, but I thought I would uh, make sure that you all, I'm sure most of you saw it, but uh, for those who are not on Facebook, that is the Midwest Supermodified Series schedule, so I certainly wish them all the best this year. It should be fun. Good to see that uh, they're working with must-see racing and um, I, uh, I hope that that, uh, well, both shows, uh, at Kalamazoo and at, uh, Lorraine go well, uh, great to see super modified racing back at Kalamazoo Speedway in Michigan. I, I would love to see some other tracks in the Michigan, Indiana area get involved as well. Um, and maybe over time they will, but that is the Midwest super modified series schedule. Now, um, on to the next bit of business here the number 68 um this was one that about stumped me of course you know recent years michael barnes has run that number for eric sorrell and sorrell racing and i was trying to think back to the last 68 that i remember before michael and i remember jim muldoon having a number 68 car he had bought, and this goes back to the 70s, I think 75 maybe. He had bought 74 or 75, somewhere in that area. He had bought uh, the, I think it was 75, now that I think more closely, but my brain is starting to lose details here, sadly. Um, but he had bought the Nick Virgo 23 Super that he had driven earlier in his career, I think maybe early 70s. And he uh, redid it, and it was, I think it was maroon at first with uh, the number 68, and then it later became some form of blue or purple, I think. Um, and I want to say that the car ended up in Don Ha's hands. It might have been his first car, but I'm not, again, I'm not sure about that. But Jim Muldoon had it, and he drove it. And I remember that Ronnie McLeod drove it in the Classic. And it might have been that same year, actually, of 75, that Ron drove it and qualified. He he started toward the back somewhere, but he qualified and ran the Classic with it. And then uh, Joe Hawksby, actually, that's, I think, what happened. I think Joe Hawksby bought it and drove it for a year, or maybe drove it for Mike, I'm not sure, but I think Joe ran it for, for a year, and then and then Don Haas ended up with it. Um, and I think uh, Don kind of ended the car's life cycle in a, in a heavy crash, and it might have actually been Classic Weekend of that following year, but that was the only other number 68 that I came up with. Now, 
Of course, Mike Silliman, who you just heard from, and I should have I should have needled Mike about this while I had him on the air with me. Um, you know, Mike came up with uh, Warren Conium driving a number sixty eight. And, and again, I'm doing this out of memory. I'm not looking at the post, but I think it was Don Fleming that, that had the car. And I, I've got to say that had to be late 60s or very early 70s because I don't remember it. When I started going to Oswego in 73, Warren was already driving for Solvay Automotive in the 04. Um, so so that, was, uh, that was fun. So Mike kind of... Uh, kind of stumped me on that one and i love that i the, the point here isn't for me to prove that i know everything because gosh knows i don't and uh and and honestly it's a challenge for me to try and remember back it, i feel like it just keeps my brain at least somewhat trying to work but um and i and i love when people can add to it because that's the whole point is to get conversation going and talk about supers and and uh really about any topic related to supers just to get people engaging um, so those are the ones that, that I slash Mike Silliman know about. Um, if there are others, again, leave them in the comments, uh, that you can think of, but that number has not been used a whole lot. I don't think over the years there may have been again, you know, an Isma car. Um, I think somebody did post something now that I'm thinking more clearly. I think somebody did post something in that, uh, discussion in whichever group it was in about the, the, the 68 car, um, I think somebody, and I think it was how this started, I think was the, it, uh, Camden posted 68 days to the opener. I think that's that's what happened. And um, and so, yeah, I think there were one or two more that were either Isma cars or old Oswego cars. So you can go back and check, <laughs> check the Oswego Speedway page or one of the group pages where Cam posts that. Um, but again, not a number that I don't think is used, or not a number that I, I believe has been used all that often in super modified history at Oswego. Um, Jimmy Champagne, I remember, ran one race, one of his earlier races after he started driving for Ed Close. They had the two cars. They had, I think it was Cuda 1 and Cuda 2, Hemi Cuda 1 and Hemi Cuda 2, um, the modifieds, I think it was before they built the Colt. I think they had two Kudas and I think, uh, Gene Guy Chartran was still driving one and Jimmy the other, or maybe it was a case of Jimmy was, was the only driver, but something happened to one of them. But I remember him racing once as the 68 in a modified race at Oswego. I don't remember exactly the circumstances and I know it was with close, um, and I don't remember, again, I was trying to remember any, uh, SBS cars and I'm having trouble doing that if there even was any. So again, if you can add to that, please do. Um, we have, uh, at least I have a lot of fun with this. Uh, uh, every, every time we, we hit a new number, it's kind of fun just to challenge my brain. And I purposefully do not research them the whole point of it is to see what i can remember and then see what y'all can add um and then also (laughs) i wanted to quick point out too that um the next show of course is episode 69 and that will have a little more discussion to it because we've had a few of those um and some of the nicest gentlemen that you would ever want to meet 
at the Oswego Speedway in all of its history have run that number, 69, over the years. So we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, And then the final note that I want to uh, talk with you about is actually a, a bit of a thank you and a nod. Robert Metcalf has been a great friend to this show since it started. Um, Robert is as passionate and uh, addicted to supermodified racing as anybody in our family here. And he's put a lot of time and effort not only into his Oswego Speedway uh, page that he has, but also he started a number of pages that start with the word everything. So, you know, everything Jimmy Champagne, everything Nolan Swift, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to try to name them all because I'll forget some, and that would be fair. But um, Robert's done a lot of work over the years here to um, help us to have places to go, not only to remember some of the past racers at Oswego, but also just to have his page to uh, kind of, have conversation and and so many people posting pictures and uh different things to the pages that the, the groups are invaluable and um so i just wanted to thank robert he's also helped me with a number of guests over the years um with this show over the last couple of years and and i've got a couple still that he's got that he had he had kind of put into motion. We've got a couple that are coming up here soon um, that I've I've sort of saved for <laughs> what I thought was just the right time. And so um, you know we'll uh, we'll be talking with some of those folks. But um, really and truly excited about this year, this season. This is Oswego's seventieth anniversary season, and as Mike and I talked about, I just don't. I don't know if we'll ever see, I'm praying that we, and I believe that it will start on time, it will run in full, um, praying that uh, we can get the whole season in because I think this will be the most unique season in Oswego history. You'll probably never see another season again with two classic races. Um and then all the other special events and things going on there. Um, you know, Jody London's added a bunch to, uh, to me, in my opinion, at least, uh, to the entertainment factor with the shows that he's bringing in. There should be some great racing in all those shows. He has worked his tail off um, to, to, to build those shows. And uh, Jody is uh, the mean Gene Okerlund of motorsports promoters, short track racing promoters, uh, when you know, in the sense that he loves to open the proverbial can of worms, and when he does something, he blows it up big. He's a great spokesperson. Um, looking forward to talking with him on next week's show. Uh, I think you're all going to enjoy that. So, um, and the last thing that I want to do here with you today, as always, is I want to thank the sponsors that make this show what it is. Um, first of all, Sean Cathcart and the staff at skips fish fry and i'm going to throw in a plug for sean's newest venture lagraff's pub which is located on east 10th street in the city of oswego so um here's what y'all need to do if you're coming in like on a friday to oswego for the races for whatever reason you're staying over 
Look, go get your fish on Friday at Skip's, okay? Go, go. It's the best fish in town. They've got other stuff. If you're not a big fish person, you can get other stuff there too. But, man, his fish is, is fantastic. Um, then uh, go to the racetrack, and when you're ready for food there, if you're not bringing your own, you're going to go to the concession. Go have some fish there. Uh, eat some more fish because fish is good food. And then after the races, if you want somewhere to hang out, um, go to the graphs and, you know, have, uh, have some Coca-Cola. And, um, and, and, and there's, I'm sure he's going to have great food there. I don't know exactly what the menu is going to be, but I'm sure it'll be <laughs> typical bar food. Um, and, uh, sure that there will be racing on TV and all of that. So, um, that's, uh, I, I love that he's doing this. I can't wait to check it out when I can finally get back up there again. Um, you know, Sean is a really hard worker. He and his staff have done an amazing job at Skips and um, can't wait to to see what the new place is like. So, uh, again, research that. And if you're coming into town, check them both out. Um, also want to thank uh, Rich Worth and the folks at uh, JNS Paving, not only for their uh, help with this show, but also for everything that he's doing for Oswego Speedway because, gosh, he's sponsoring the 350 class. He's almost single-handedly taken 350 Super Modified Racing um, on his back, basically, and is, is, is building that up, and that's, that's awesome. Love that. Um, but he's got the big block now. He's still got uh, SBS cars. Um, they just, you know, they're great uh, – Again, it, it it just really hit me over the last few weeks, maybe because, you know, we we were we kind of had the life taken out of us last year with not being able to race. And um, as this season has gotten started, you know, Speed Weeks in Florida, NASCAR, all of that, Rolex 24, all the big stuff. And, you know, we start talking about starting the season super modified wise. MSS's schedule is out. Oswego's schedule is out. Um, so much going on. Isma trying to uh, to to make a comeback, and um, just so much reason for optimism. And it, it's just kind of, I think, at least for me, um, I become just a little more aware of just how many people there are who are just really uh, supporting supers and. 350s and SBSs in such a big way. Um, so I want to thank all of them because without them, um, it would be a, it would not be nearly as much fun, um, and you know it certainly wouldn't uh, be as entertaining. Um, and I and and thank them for their support of the show as well. And also can't forget uh, Jeff West and the folks uh, from Indie Performance Composites. Jeff. Uh, again, he's all over the place. I mean, it isn't just supers. He's got a got a couple of those too. But uh, Jeff is all over the place. If you need anything in the way of fabrication or engineering, whatever, um, go to Indie Performance Composites website, ipcindy.com, or if you know Jeff, just uh, just call him and uh, talk to him. It's uh, I I've never been able to tour his facility, and I'm hoping to get out that way here at some point this summer and uh, make that happen because I really want to see what it's all about. I've seen pictures of it, but never the the full uh, scope of it or expanse of it in person. So hoping to be able to do that. But uh, thanks to Jeff, too, because he's been a big part of this since day one. So uh, 
Thanks to all of you who listen. Please share. Um, sharing it brings in new fans, and we want new fans. <laughs> we want everybody to know about this show. Um, that's why we do it. And excited about this year. Thankful for the opportunity to do it again. Um, I've been teasing some some changes, some things that that are coming um and we're we're very close to where i can tell you about them some of this has been months in the making um and getting it to the point where we have the concept and um it's now just starting into development so um late may early june is going to be a lot of fun let's put it like that um anxious and we'll we'll tell you more about it in the coming shows but uh i don't want to take a lot of time at this point to to do it and uh we're still kind of honing some details so uh this show will definitely be a big part of what's coming and is probably going to in some way um have some sort of video component to it um so we'll we'll kind of let that one out of the bag still again still trying to figure out exactly how and 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 what the best ways are to do what what i'm trying to do here but um, we're going to have a lot of fun this year. I'm excited about what's to come for Supermodifieds and Oswego Speedway, especially in its 70th season. With that, I will bring this to a close. Thanks to all of you. Look forward to next week. Jody London will be joining me for some fun conversation on Inside Groove Episode 69. Until then, continue to pray for those in our Supermodified family who are uh, facing challenges in one way or another. Terry Strong, especially, still praying for Terry and, and uh, uh, wishing her good health. And I know there are a number of other folks as well. So, um, again, uh, prayers for uh, safety and health. And look forward to talking to you on the next Inside Groove. Until then, I'm Tom Baker. Have a great racing weekend, everybody, and a great week ahead. So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.